0: Welcome to Ideas Into Reality, a podcast to inspire everyone to take action to turn their ideas into reality, no matter what experience they have, where they live, or who they think they are right now. Each week, we introduce you to a founder that has taken their tiny flicker of an idea and done what it takes to bring it to reality. We also take a few minutes to dig into the how of some of the key lessons those founders have learned on their journey so that you can feel more confident in what to actually do as you start to take action on your idea. Ideas into Reality is hosted and produced by the team behind Canvas Coworking and Startup Toowoomba. So we'll be talking to founders from our local community here in regional Queensland, as well as some of the interesting folk that we have met during our travels around the globe. If this isn't your first episode, by now you would know that Ideas Into Reality is produced by the team behind Canvas Coworking, and we love to work with startups and entrepreneurs and share their stories via this podcast. What you may not know, though, is that we also have members of our community that are not on a journey to take their idea into reality. Our co-workers, who are working remotely for a company or organization that doesn't have an office here in town. Many people have recently had the opportunity to try out working from home due to the coronavirus pandemic. And not everyone has found it as wonderful as they thought it might've been. As we provide the physical space for people to work, we consider it an office away from home. Having a reason to get up, shower, put pants on and interact with other adults is actually a good thing for most of us. In addition to the desks, chairs, fast Wi-Fi, and coffee, our co-workers get access to each other, something they cannot get working from home alone. Also, there are way fewer distractions here, though if by mid-morning you really would prefer to unpack a dishwasher instead of responding to an email, then by all means, go ahead. If you know someone who could benefit from having a place to go to get their work done, be sure to let them know that there's a co-working space available in downtown Toowoomba and they are most welcome to come and join us, as are you. I first met Linda McCall when she rode her motorbike into town and rocked up at Canvas Coworking for a visiting entrepreneur event with a fellow from the USA that she and her partner Mark Phillips were escorting around Queensland startup communities. Linda and Mark were living a nomadic lifestyle, running their businesses, supporting entrepreneurs and travelling around Australia. As very experienced travellers, having been to over 100 countries, it was no surprise when they decided to start their latest startup, Nomad Stays, which is helping digital nomads and remote workers find longer-term accommodation options in beautiful, hidden parts of the world, as well as helping accommodation providers in these areas to understand the benefits of catering to the longer-term guest. Mark and Linda join me today from a very warm southeast of France and share how they've turned their latest idea into reality. So it's so great to have you guys with us today. I'm super excited to be catching up, albeit from the other side of the world where you're nice and warm and I'm not. Um, So we've got, uh, Linda, we'll start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Nomad Stays.
1: Oh okay, it's it's wonderful wonderful to be here. We're in the Rhone Alps at the moment, sucking up the beautiful sunshine. <laughs> we are, we are nomads day, so we are a platform that is for digital nomads and remote workers to find longer stays anywhere in the world. We've been over here in France because we came to where the, the biggest market is for nomads days, 80 million visitors in france per year so we're here where the market is
0: (laughs) awesome and mark a little bit about yourself
2: thanks joy yeah great to be here uh yeah so i'm linda's partner um we're both uh founders of nomad stays And, and as linda was saying um we've decided to migrate from australia where we uh, the Australian startup nomad stay still based there in Queensland mm-hmm. and uh, take advantage of a window of opportunity to, uh, that the French government put out there to encourage startups to move here it's called the French tech visa and we applied for that and, and uh, received um, uh, sponsorship for that and we're we're here in the the southeast of France in the Alps as Linda was saying in a very lovely area in the middle of summer uh, it's actually going to be very hot today I think as we were chatting earlier uh, heading up to 39C and um, it, generally a very beautiful area full of very nice people. And just France alone, as Linda was just saying, about 10 times the visitation, international visitations from Australia, so a much bigger marketplace uh, and region for us before we even leave to go into Italy or Spain or some other country nearby.
0: I, I remember being in Europe once upon a time, you know, <laughs> but we'll get back there again. We will.
1: I think the last time we saw you was in Bulgaria, where you came and hung out with us after you did a startup weekend in Turin, no, uh, Albania. Al- Albania. Yeah. Albania. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, I'd been in. Uh, I'd done a startup weekend women in Vienna, and then I'd been over to Turin to the Techstars Global Summit, and then I'd done startup weekend women in Albania in Tirana, uh, and then I did come and hang out with you guys, and actually did a nomad stay in Bulgaria. Um, in Bansko, which was fabulous, so yeah, really great place. Anyone who's looking to find somewhere nice to go post COVID, I definitely suggest Bansko as a place to go and see. So Nomad Stays obviously has been in evolution for the last big couple of years now, I think, wouldn't it? How long has it been since you left? Would it be two years yet?
1: Oh no, it's been uh, about fifteen months. 15 we've been months. over in Europe, yeah.
0: Okay, so who who got the idea initially for nomad stays who whose idea was it
1: it was mark uh, so we started our journey um, as digital nomads about five years ago and we um, started our tour around australia and um, in that time we got so frustrated because we couldn't find longer stays for us um, so we basically are solving our own problem <laughs> Um, the frustration and we saw a gap in the market that more people were starting to hit the road, experience life a little bit differently and do work and, and life on the road because we can now, nowadays. Um, and Mark decided that he would not just buy a platform to build this on, he decided to build it himself. <laughs>
0: As you do. <laughs>
3: so, yeah, so-
2: I, I guess I, I had that advantage, Joy, that uh, I had already run a, a number of tr- travel and tech startups uh, in my career. Uh, Linda and I have both traveled extensively around the world, more than 100 countries. Um, and so, starting another business wasn't that hard, and particularly one that wanted to solve not only our problem, but finding something affordable for a month or two. But uh, from my tourism experience, I knew that occupation occupancy of hotels, particularly in regional areas, was very low, and that there was money available for them for addressing this market. So we've we've solved two lots of problems at the same time: making more money for properties like apartments and, and hotels and B and Bs, at the same time of providing something more affordable for. Um, Somebody's still working, building their career and exploring the world, these these digital nomads and remote workers.
0: Yeah and I've experienced that myself and obviously you know our little um, trip to, to Bulgaria was only for a fairly short time but we've been exploring that option of you know if we want to travel somewhere and maybe we want to stay for three months or four months how do you how do you make that happen you know what's available you don't necessarily want to lease a property for a whole year or and you don't necessarily well, it's not usually affordable to stay in a hotel and comfort-wise, not so much either if you're just in a hotel. So something a little bit more than that is good. So wonderful. So definite problem. And and you were experiencing it. And I know that we met when you were, you know, tripping around and, and you come to visit us here and you even come and looked after Canvas Co working for us for a little while on your nomadic journey around Australia. So once you decided to actually make Nomad Stays a thing, and, and Mark, I know you said that you've had some experience in the past, but what did you do first in order to actually go, hmm, we've got this idea, let, we're going to do something with it? What was the first step that you took?
2: Well, I guess I kicked it off by talking to some properties. We, and, and, you know, we had negotiated with some of the properties that we saw in Australia. We said, listen, we'd like to stay for a month. Not a, not a couple of days. Uh, we'd like to create a different pricing arrangement. Um, so we're going to guarantee you hundreds of dollars, if not thousands of dollars, but, but we're not paying $100 a night um, necessarily. So we'd had a range of conversations, and we said, okay, so we've got a little bit of an interest there. Um, why don't we put it out there? We put a landing page together, put it out on, a, on a, one of these like Product Hunter beta list sort of sites, and, and launched, uh, the original concept was actually called Hidden Hostels. So we launched Hidden Hostels just to see whether there was an interest in finding remote places that you could escape from and still work. And uh, we signed up about 380 people in 48 hours. Uh, so got a lot of confidence that there was definitely a, an end user market there.
1: We also did a bit of validation um, uh, with digital nomad groups as well and um, we found out that there was about 3 million people per year living our lifestyle, um, living and working and uh, around the world. Um, a lot of, and COVID, God, well, you know, it is what it is, uh, has actually made that even more so the case because you've got Google Microsoft. Everybody's going remote, and then they go, "Oh, actually, I can actually go and explore my my country or um, another country if you can get in at this stage." (laughs) Um, So it's grown exponentially since COVID.
0: It's great to hear that there's a positive coming out of it as well. And I think for a lot of people, and like we're experiencing it here as well, people who now have the systems to be able to work from home. Perhaps their organisation didn't have that before. They've had to put that in place. Now they have that flexibility. They can go. They can go for longer. It's not just for a holiday, but for, you know, three or six months to explore a place and experience it, but still keep working and having that income coming in. I think it's a, yeah, one of the the shining um, parts that have come out of COVID uh, is that advancement of the opportunity for people to be able to work from anywhere um, in their roles, which is, is great. So, so obviously you guys, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't your first rodeo with starting something. You already had an idea as to what you needed to do and, and you put it out there and, and got some feedback and got some early signups, um, got some validation. What's it taken since then to actually make it, make it become a reality? What's that, what's happened?
1: Well, we, uh, Probably one one of the biggest things that we came up with straight away, one of the sort of challenges, I guess, was getting people to sign their property on um, and be trust with people. So I had to leave the country um, a few times throughout this journey that we've been here over in Europe. So we only have three months in each country. My visa has taken a lot longer than Mark's visa to come through. Uh, So um we i decided to use a uh, that opportunity to uh, english speaking countries and uh and see going on on the ground for these niche little places that we wanted to have a stays uh, i volunteered to be uh, with an app called um i think it's called World Packer, and you can just volunteer to go and be uh, and, uh, uh, someone who works in the uh, B- B&Bs or uh, hostels. And, um, and so I basically spent a few months walking the streets <laughs> and knocking on doors and saying, hi, this is us. <laughs> and I also learnt a lot about uh, the, the the that these small places have and a lot of them aren't very tech-savvy. So I first hand what what their pain points were about getting onto another platform. Uh, I learnt all about the back ends that they have to do, that they have to use the PMS systems. And there there was so much, it was so valuable just going and meeting people and asking them questions. Um, I think I took a bit of a uh, a leaf out of uh, Airbnb's uh, journey as well because I think they did something very similar as well just to understand what these guys go through um, on a daily basis and what stops them from signing uh, you know for joining our platform so that was highly valuable Mm. (laughs) experience.
0: Yeah I, I think it is it's walking in someone's shoes helps you actually understand more and we often as a consumer of you know services like for travel, flights, accommodation, all of those sorts of things, assume that there's this highly technical back end that works seamlessly. But, you know, we, we know um, from talking to people in that industry that it doesn't <laughs> and that there's a lot of manual process that goes with it. So it is challenging for them. Um, and obviously, yeah, you're getting to understand that it can help when it comes to wanting them to do, I guess, what may seem to be something new or something extra um, just how much of a challenge that can be for them and therefore how to address it. So, so that's
2: really good. It is, it is quite a technical thing in the world, travel. Um, you know, there's a lot of migration of technology and understanding around the world as the internet has opened up. The traditional uh, sales channels have changed a lot. We, uh, while Linda was out there chuffing around uh, all these different countries, experimenting with cultures and, and regions and uh, property types, I was sitting there building initially an MVP so we made a lovely little website with um, you know, it was initially half a dozen pages now about a thousand pages, and uh, we started taking bookings and registrations and doing everything by manual. Everything came in as an email, and we would make an email connection and a and a, a phone call. And we started working out that okay, Eastern Europe they prefer Viber, and then Western Europe they use WhatsApp, and then over in the states they use something else. And Uh, So we started building it up and then slowly iterating the the tech on a module-by-module basis behind the scenes as we understood what was more likely to happen. And and so that continues today, that uh, the tech has been built iteratively, that the customers don't know what's changing largely because they have the same interface, but uh, our workload has gone down a lot in terms of processing.
0: That sounds great. I think one of those things that sometimes people think about is that it has to have every bell and whistle and work all by itself from day one, but it it generally, well, it cannot normally. Um, It has to evolve as you learn. So, yeah, that's that's a a great thing. Has there been anything that you have discovered along the way that you've gone, you know what, this just will not work the way we thought and, and you've had to actually change anything significant?
2: Yeah, it, there certainly has been. Um, so we did a whole lot of reports and reviews about the technology used by, by smaller properties initially. And um, you now all the, all the market research from around the world was that only about 50% of, of our target market were using some sort of um, property management system or channel manager uh, technology. So, you know, half the market was still using pens and papers and books and so forth. Now, now that was great for us because we didn't have those integrations with PMS or channel managers. So we thought that's okay, we can walk in and and create this. But as Linda found, that 50% number was was completely wrong. It's more like 90% of the properties have some sort of PMS or channel manager today. Um, And that created a barrier uh, where a number of properties said, we'd love to come on board with you, but you have to integrate with our system. And so you know that sounds quite okay. Um, and when we started talking to the property management systems and the channel managers, they ignored us. They refused our entry. They they are a very closed shop. Um, you know, there's a very large operator down in Sydney who has been sponsoring us to attend conferences, for instance, that even refused to sign us on with an with an API. So so that became a bit of an issue. So we had to uh, start being a little bit niche. Where we, uh, where we were seeking the, the properties and the stays. And we had to change our, our pitch a little bit to get these people on board. So that created one of the pivots in the activity where we uh, said, okay, um, co-working spaces like, like Canvas there uh, are a great place that um, digital nomads, remote workers go and hang out when they're travelling because it's a great place to make community and get some tech skills and find out what's happening. So we started orientating around the co-working places, which were great help. We started adding on co-working places to the site. I think we're running about 150, 160 co-working places around the world now. And we started finding the apartments and properties nearby saying, hey, there's this group of people down the road from you doing really cool stuff. And we've got members that want to travel the world and visit these places. How would you like to sign on board? So the value proposition became a bit bigger. we started emphasising people staying for a month rather than a week. So if you're if you're turning up in um, in Toowoomba and you're you're saying to a, a hotel or apartment, hi, we'd like to leave you a thousand dollars, not not fifty dollars for a night. You know, you get a bit a little bit more attention, and uh, people get a bit more a bit more keen.
0: Yeah, I think. It's incredible when you look at data and, and like you said, if the data says 50% but the reality is 90%, like that's significant and until you actually get out there and start talking to people and, and get your feet on the ground, you won't learn that. So, yeah, great job that you did it and then, you know, worked out, well, what can we do about it? We're not just going to give up, um, not just going to go, oh, it's too hard, we can't can't get the API so, you know, we'll just, just uh, pack it all in. Um, but worked yep. out how you can actually change so so that's that's really great. We
1: also found that there was a real importance around community for digital nomads which is something that we weren't terribly aware of um, and when we went to banks go uh, we, we saw this you know we saw and, and we learned what the kind of behaviors are of a digital nomad um, different which is different to us we, we tend to be the DIY. Nomad. um, Whereas some nomads, they like to just follow where the community is. So they're really keen to to be where other nomads are and to network with them. So we realised that that was a really important part, and that that is uh, the good thing about the co-working spaces.
0: Definitely, and we see that a lot, particularly when we go to events like See You Asia. You know, throughout Thailand and and Bali and various other places there in Southeast Asia, that digital nomad community is really strong. And you know, there's there's some positives to it, and there's some not so positives to it in yes. in terms of what um, happens in the community when they come. But I think you know, from a business model, recognizing that and and putting yourself in a position where you can be be part of that, and you know, hopefully in a positive influence as well um, for those who are who are on that sort of circuit. Um, then, yeah, I think it's a, a a great way to go in reinforcing that um, you can travel and not be alone, even if you're travelling on your own, um, which is a, a really good message. Yeah.
2: I think, uh, you know, 2020, the, the word of the year might be work from home. Um, you know, COVID has just forced everybody home. Next year, it might be turning into work from anywhere uh, where, People have this newfound uh, job flexibility and uh, as the countries open up, as the borders change and so forth, they will start travelling around the world. They'll, they'll start exploring a little bit more and and sort of improving their overall quality of life.
0: We hope to be part of that too. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> they're, they're desperate to go, but uh, that's right. It'll be just a little bit longer for us and then we'll be right. <laughs> now. I imagine along this way you've probably met some wonderful people and you've learned some, some really great things. Um, what are some of the moments that you're most proud of over your last, you know, most recent journey um, of bringing this idea to reality?
2: I, I guess the, when the lights go on with hoteliers and, and uh, government agencies and tourism boards, when they sort of see the opportunity of making a lot of money from nomads who are still travelling, by the way, um, uh, you're almost fifty percent of those that were out of country at the start of COVID are still out of country. Um, when the lights go on, and then you see this understanding occur uh, that there are more markets than the traditional leisure and business market, and then you know the creative juices flow, and um, it, it can be a real spark to a community. And we're seeing a number of uh, Tourism authorities, destination marketers, things like that, start to really realise that ah, oh, it's not all doom and gloom. There is actually something out there. Um, at the same time, you know, we're just opening up opportunities for nomads that that have traditionally been a hard, slow um, process to, to find something suitable. Um, and you know, we've got now a thousand rooms across twenty three countries, so there's there's a lot more opportunities for a uh, to streamline all of this for for our members.
1: Uh, we recently spoke to a startup in uh, Sud, uh, Sardinia, um,
3: Serbia? Serbia, Serbia,
1: and he was saying that there's this whole movement of corporate refugees. <laughs> so that's a new um, movement. There's, so there's remote working is probably going to be the, uh, the, the buzzword. And this corporate refugee, uh, I thought was really funny because they're basically coming out of corporate and going, oh, oh I can... I can do whatever, and maybe I can start a start a business, and uh, you know, and and experience something completely different from being in the corporate world.
2: Yeah, we we have chunked down too, Joy. We we have about ten micro niches, even within this this niche as it is. Um, any of these micro niches on a global scale are big enough to make a lot of money, uh, but they're all slightly different to each other. Um, you know, we we together we experience that sort of uh, Bansko high community touch outdoor activity sort of people, um, but there are other groups of people that that, um, that want to be a lot more solo. Um, they 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 want to work from their own houses and uh, not necessarily associate with as many. Um, social activities are a bit more adventurous in terms of their sporting and hobbies and so forth. Anyway, like I said, there's about 10 different micro niches, uh, which uh, you know, gives us a lot of opportunity and also some challenges about how to market to each one at the same time.
0: Definitely. Yeah. And, and we certainly see that. And I guess we probably fit somewhere in the middle between what you guys are doing and, and the, the typical digital nomads. So we like to, you know, do, do our own things sometimes and and be with people sometimes and have a bit of a mix of both. But I think uh, I, what I really like, I guess, about what I've seen you guys doing, and I, I know that I don't know all the ins and outs, but it's not just focused on uh you know on on the big cities where there's a lot of people going like it's not just in paris or it's not just in berlin um you know you're you're in places like bansko and those sort of smaller areas as well which you know from my perspective if it's helping the local operators in those towns that maybe not everyone always goes to but people might go there because it's on your list and they're looking for somewhere to go in the world that isn't just a tourist hotspot you know where there is some culture where there is a local community as well as perhaps the digital nomad community you know I think that's a really good thing as well so well done on on that
2: yeah no, that that's part of our, our mission is to expose the world to these wonderful unknown previously unknown places Um and, and a lot of that's very personal. You know, we have been very lucky to explore a lot of the back parts of the world, and we're just convinced that there's even a richness of life there that you don't find in a in a high-profile tourism location or a city.
1: And we've really focused on the more adventurous, uh, business-minded uh, traveller as well. So just like you and Dave, um, you, you love to go out and, and, and hike for a day or, do you, you know, do something that's a little bit different than the normal uh, digital nomad, I guess. Um, so you you know experience the 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 culture in a different way. So going off the beaten track is what is what we say is um, really beneficial for. Uh, uh, for so many reasons because you see what's really actually happening on the ground in in the culture as well and you would have experienced that when you were gallivanting around last year <laughs>
2: yes <laughs> um, absolutely you were
1: start that weekend in uh in duras uh, um, and
2: yeah, Tirana. Durana, yeah Tirana. It.
1: Yep. it was uh, you know it's a being on the ground is a completely different story so
0: oh absolutely yeah yeah i couldn't agree more um i'm curious and i'm, I'm just going to sort of uh, you know put you on the spot here a little bit but do you know the sort of average age of your customer or, or digital nomads that are engaging with you in those sort of longer stays
2: i
1: would say for me i would say between 30 and 55. Uh, what would you say, Mark? Yeah, the,
2: the, there is a sweet spot around the mid-thirties. Yeah. Um, I think technically it's about thirty-six from those that we have information on at the moment. Um, but one of the things I, I learned many years ago in my first startup, which was also international travel, um, I learned that uh, psychographic analysis was much more valuable than demographic analysis. Um, and, and you know, back then I, you know, the mindset of a, a Dutch. 24-year-old was similar to an American 58-year-old in terms of their their understanding, their, their desire to experience nature and culture and things like that. So um, that sort of evened itself out as the world has globalised in the last couple of um, decades, but there is still much more of a psychological basis than, a, than an age basis. Um, I, I guess um, it's, it's quite fascinating. We're dealing with some some 20-year-old entrepreneurs at the moment who are just light years ahead of their mm-hmm. thinking, yeah. um, you, know, but, you know, a new partner uh, that we're dealing with. And at the same time, we're dealing with 72, 73-year-old digital nomads who have been travelling more than 10 years. Um, so you can make a mistake by looking at somebody's age and and assuming that they fit a certain position in life.
0: Yeah. And I think for anyone listening who, who might, and that was sort of the reason behind my question for anyone who's listening and might be going, oh, you know, maybe you've got to be this, you know, early twenties, no family, no responsibilities, you know, carefree type lifestyle. Um, it, It just isn't like that once you start, going you just realise how many people and how different they are but as you said they often have a common you know or the ones that you're looking at at least have some common thread and that might be around adventure or it might be around nature or or something like that and and age actually does become irrelevant you're not you're never too old to become a digital nomad.
2: Absolutely not yeah that's the the world is open Uh, and there are many many examples of of people actually for well over a hundred years, people just just been out exploring the world in a semi-permanent arrangement.
0: Cool. All right. So I know this is a journey for you, and there's probably something that's uh, you know next on the the cards for you in terms of evolve the evolution of nomad stays. Um, do you want to enlighten us a little bit as to where you're heading and what's sort of next?
2: Well, I guess the, the, the next part is uh, we we have moved into a lot more um, end-user marketing. So we've just kicked off that in, literally in the last few days. We've, we've done almost no marketing, but um, in saying that, we've been picking up about half a dozen new users each day, which is really nice. Uh, so we're going to kick that on a bit. We're going to do a capital raise. Uh, we're also looking at uh, purchasing or partnering with a range of other companies who have got some great technology. Uh, we have... Uh, looking
1: at an um, ambassadorship. Yeah. So we're looking at a program where we can have ambassadors on the ground in France and Germany that, that speak the language and that can um, help us to sign on uh Uh, stays and also do some blogging. So we're looking at an ambassadorship program as well. So that's a bit exciting. We keep getting um, poked about this ambassadorship. (laughs) So we're like, okay, we're going to do something about it.
2: We're we're definitely (laughs) looking for more places around the world. Um, You know, we're we're just looking at, uh, for instance, having a conversation last night with Kinshasa, the the capital of the uh, Democratic Republic of Congo, uh, which is – you know, right up there in the adventure stake for many people. But, uh, you know, for others, it's sort of business as usual. So, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd love to find properties around the world that want to come on this journey and meet some amazing people, uh, get to know their, their guests a little bit more than what they traditionally have. At the same time, if we can enable some more uh, remote workers to, to get out there and enjoy themselves, uh, discover more and create a better life, we want you part of the network as well.
0: Awesome. You've got places in Morocco, haven't you?
2: We yeah, we
1: do. We do. Some yes. great places. Yes. <laughs> Turkey, Morocco. High on my list. <laughs> <yeah>. Africa. <laughs> We've got so, some
2: great deals happening at the moment too. COVID has, has brought the prices down in uh, some areas and sent them flying in others. So yep. some great deals out there in parts of the world.
1: And we're definitely waiting to get into um, Montenegro at the moment as well. We've signed up some beautiful places in Montenegro. So I'm so busting to get there.
0: Yeah. Um, I was so close North- last year and I didn't actually get there, but um, I went exactly. through <laughs> Ma- North Macedonia, but not through Montenegro. So. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get back, but yeah, some of the beautiful lakes Downing. and and yeah, yeah, like parkland, you know, national park type areas and things like that are incredible. So wonderful. All right, we're excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, now I know in you know over the years and and still now you have other businesses running as well. So you've got a lot of experience in starting and and also a lot of experience in helping other people who are starting as well through um, business in bare feet and uh, and other roles that you've had in the past, but I'm keen to know if, if someone comes up to you and says, Hey guys, you know, I've got this idea for this new thing. What would you want them to know before they begin? You know, perhaps it's their first time or or maybe, you know, they've, they've had some, some learnings in the past and they're starting again, but what would you want them to know before they set out on taking their new idea to reality? I think
1: it's, um, it could be a little bit cliche, but I always ask them, um, you know, who, who needs this? Like, who, who is it that you're solving the problem for? And um, also, uh, who else is doing this? Um, and what what is your point of difference? Um, I think because most people uh, rela- relate us to Airbnb or, um, you know, so we have to know our point of difference. Um, and, and who we're serving. So uh, I think that is a, definitely an important part
2: for sure. Mm. Yeah, it, it isn't just build it and they will come anymore. You definitely need to know your market, as Linda was just saying. The other thing is that um, entrepreneurship is a journey. It's, it's not something that comes quickly and easily, usually. You can luck it, but the vast majority don't. You've got to persevere. And you've got to overcome every problem that arrives. You can't run away from it. You can't give up too early. There is answers out there everywhere, but you've got to commit. And perseverance is is the critical thing. The I guess the lifestyle that entrepreneurship brings you is is far superior than than working for the man. Um, so it's it's really quite appealing to. Uh, <laughs> to to get into this journey.
1: And I think that um, COVID has just opened up so many opportunities of niches and, um, you know, whenever there's disruption in in the past, um, there's always been immense innovation happening. So, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, gosh, you know, there's so much change happening at the moment, but this is just prime time for
0: creating something unique. Fantastic. So, so know who you're serving, what your point of difference is. Be willing to be, yeah, resilient and and persevere and and just get in and do it because now is the perfect time. Yeah.
3: Yep. Yep. That's Fantastic.
0: <laughs> All righty. So, well, thank you so much. I've got a couple of little questions for you left to, to ask. Um, and I'm sure anyone who's listening is probably going, I want to go traveling. Where can I, where can I find a place? How can people find you? Where can they find you?
1: So we are on all social media. <laughs> so we have a community in uh, Facebook that's called uh, Digital Nomad uh, Explorers, um, and we also have um, just NomadStays.co. Uh, so if you if you want to come and explore our um, where you can go next, um, or you know uh, plan for the next uh, opportunity to uh, across the border <laughs> uh, we we're we're very active on social media.
2: yes we're on so- social media everywhere we run a telegram group as a support for the uh, properties for the stays out there we, we set that up during covid so on telegram with groups we're on whatsapp groups uh, slack channels um, instagram facebook twitter we're there but if you come to nomadstays.co, um, you can join in there, and that—that's sort of the heartbeat of the whole operation.
1: It is, yeah. And also, Mark does a, an update every week uh, on Twitter—a live update on what's happening across borders—and—and uh, and it's a really informative um, for the nomad and also for the stays. So it's just a, an overall uh, overview. So you know, that's definitely worth listening out for on Twitter.
0: Great. That's yeah that's really good and I know you know I I live vicariously through you and your posts on social media of the different <laughs> places that you are particularly while we're we're stuck here at home and it's kind of like how are you still traveling it's like I oh, know that's right you live there now so
3: <laughs> <laughs> but um Well it yeah.
2: yeah yeah we we are one of the lucky ones the about uh, I think still over half Australians that were out of the country when covid hit are still out of the country. Yeah. Um you know and that was a hard choice for a lot of people to sort of say do I go home or do I stay where I am. Um for us it wasn't such a hard choice but we understand that the the consequences of this year are are not normal. It's going to take a lot longer to do the things we all desire to do but you know, they're going to come eventually. This this stuff uh, will settle down.
1: It'll be a wave, but just ride that wave, I say.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's it.
0: So what can we do to help? So people are listening um, and they'd like to help in some way. What can they possibly do to help you guys out?
2: Oh, well... Um, you know, we're like any bootstrap company. We, we don't have a lot of cash, so if there's, uh, you want to come and play and volunteer and, and join Blog. the team, <laughs> <laughs> blogging is, is – that's a very good idea. We, yes. we, we are we just about blogs. to kick off our, our guest blogging um, platform. Um, so if you, you have that digital lifestyle – uh, digital nomad lifestyle, remote worker lifestyle. We have some experiences. We'd love to hear some of these stories. Uh, we'd love to profile people that have done some amazing stuff around the world, both in business and, and travel. Um, uh, we're always open for interns uh, and so forth, but but the important thing is come and join up. Come and, come and ride the stories with us and, and get our updates and, and share it wider.
1: And if you're a co-working space, um You know, connect with us as well because we love to be able to, you know, find a co-working space for all of our um, stays. So it's important that we connect with those guys as well and that we add some value and uh, keep in touch.
0: Very good. So reach out, particularly if you're a traveller, you've got some stories to tell, some blogs to write or blogs to share. And yeah, if you have have a place or a co-working space, then um, yeah, get in touch as well. So. Awesome! Well, look, thanks so much, guys. You, I know you're sitting there in the sun. You're probably starting to sweat in the forty degree heat <laughs> in um there in, in the beautiful French Alps. But I um I really appreciate your time today, uh, having a chat, sharing your story. I know it will inspire many people to you know to to give it a go, whatever that might be for them. And, uh, yeah, look forward to seeing you in person again very soon in your part so of the we. world. <laughs> we hope to get there. I was meant to be in Portugal for all of August, but I'm I'm here. But that's all right. We've got oh. us some things happening here as well. So um, it's okay. It will be there when I get there, I'm sure. So um, it's all good. We can't wait, Joy. Yeah, it'll be
2: great to catch up again in person. (laughs) We'll
0: take you kayaking.
1: We're going kayaking now. (laughs) Oh,
0: awesome. I went kayaking last month. It was good. I love kayaking. Yeah, I
1: saw that. I saw that you were off doing that. Yeah, good.
0: Wonderful. All right. Well, thanks so much, guys, and we'll catch you again soon. Okay. Thank you. Our startup lesson today is about finding your point of difference. If you have an idea for a business, it's highly likely that there is already someone else already doing what you're thinking of doing, or at least something similar. Occasionally, someone somewhere will come up with a truly unique idea, but they are few and far between. That does not mean that you shouldn't do it, though. Just imagine where we would be if the second person to think of opening a coffee shop thought, oh, there's already someone doing that, so it's not worth me doing it too. If you are focused on solving a problem, which we hope you are, then your customer is already finding some way to deal with the problem. So they have a solution of sorts, even if they don't like it much or it's inefficient or only does an average quality job. Part of your journey is going to be communicating with that customer, communicating how and why your solution is different. It could be the functionality of the product, it could be in the user experience, the design, the method, the appearance, the weight, the size, the complexity, the quality, or many other things. At the end of the day, you are different in some way and you want the potential customer to know that. And you want them to care about that point of difference enough to choose you over the existing solution they already use. The only way to know if you are truly different is to actually learn what those other alternative solutions are and what your customer thinks of them, identifying the parts they aren't thrilled with and ensuring that you can clearly communicate how your solution is better. I'm going to throw in a caveat here. Note that I didn't say cheaper. A focus only on cost is generally a race to the bottom. If your customer only likes your solution because you are cheaper, they will soon not like you if a cheaper option becomes available. Take care if you're referencing any point of difference you believe you have if you've not yet done your homework. Suggesting another company or product doesn't do something they do will leave you with little credibility and does not help you build trust and a positive reputation, you're much better off to state that you don't know rather than guess in that instance. In all cases, be sure to focus on what your customers really care about and how you can make your experience, product, service, brand be what they love and communicate this clearly and openly. After all, if you want to stand out from the crowd, you cannot just blend in you need to show those points of difference in a positive glowing light that everyone can see and understand. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's Ideas into Reality episode. And we hope that you enjoyed learning about our founder's journey and got a couple of takeaways from the lesson learned that will help end the flames of your idea. Assuming you did, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favourite podcast app and let your friends know too. They might just be sitting on an idea that you do not even know about yet. You can find out more about Canvas Coworking and Startup Toowoomba by visiting our websites, canvascoworking.com.au and startuptowoomba.com.au or finding us on pretty much any social media platform. My name is Joy Taylor and I'd like to thank you for joining me on this journey And I look forward to introducing you to our next guest in our next episode.